but it's really taking um, the quality craftsmanship, the brand prestige, ballistic superiority, taking the same things that made the brand what it is, and then applying it really in today's generation of, of hunters and shooters. I think that was part of when I went back into the family business full time. I knew that um, that God wasn't done with me. I knew I still had, you know, certain gifts and experiences and different things that needed to be kind of used for His glory and His kingdom. So I know that teaching is one of those things. So yeah. Anyone that has ever hunted to any extent has a story of the person that first introduced them to the hunting experience. Likely it was a father, a grandfather, an uncle, or maybe a family friend. Could have possibly be a mother, a good friend, or you just tried to figure it out on your own. My guest today has a story like no other. Adam Weatherby is the CEO and president of Weatherby Incorporated. Weatherby is a family business with an incredibly rich history in the firearms and ammunition industry. Today, I share a great conversation with Adam as he tells the history of the Weatherby brand his personal story that took him from ministry to the CEO seat of a world-renowned firearms manufacturer and his experience with taking over at the business. But before we get into my conversation with him, I just want to ask you guys to go ahead and connect with me on my social media outlets. On Facebook, you can find me at facebook.com slash RKE Afield. That's RKE as in Rise, Kill, Eat. RKE Afield. You can find me on there. And then on Instagram, you can find me at the handle at rice kill eat just like the name of this show all lowercase all together so you guys connect with me there that way you guys can kind of see some more of the content you can stay connected with me and stay connected with this show the rice kill eat podcast the rice kill eat podcast is a show that is designed for anybody that loves god freedom and the great outdoors and it's my goal of this show to really prioritize those three things and all the conversations and all the stories that you guys hear on this show so make sure you guys are connected with me on social media and that would be greatly appreciated. Also, I want to ask you guys that if you find any value from today's episode to leave a rating and review on the podcast platform that you guys are listening on, those ratings and reviews go a long way in helping out the, the show in, in its growth. So I just want to ask you guys that if you have maybe 15, 20, 30 seconds to spare, go ahead and jump down there, give it how many stars you feel like the show deserves, and then leave a review for the show. All right, so... That's all I have as far as announcements go, and I think you guys are really going to enjoy this episode and my conversation with Adam Weatherby. So without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into my conversation with Adam Weatherby of Weatherby Incorporated. Looks like we are good to go. So I'm sitting here with Adam Weatherby. So Adam, thank you so much for being on the Rice Kelly podcast with me. I've reached out to you I think it was a couple of weeks ago and I'm so glad that we were able to kind of get this worked out I know with the with the you know COVID stuff going on right now the world's a little crazy so scheduling is also a little crazy but I'm glad that you're here with me and I appreciate you being on the Rice Kelly podcast with me thanks uh appreciate you having me on looking forward to our conversation together and just getting to know you better yeah absolutely man absolutely the whole Weatherby brand has been something I've been a fan of. I know for a lot of people, they've been fans of for, for decades. And it's just that the fact that I'm able to kind of sit here with you, it's, it's pretty incredible. And, you know, I'm, I'm definitely blessed with the opportunity, but let's just kind of get started with, you know, how, how are things going right now in Wyoming? Yeah. You know, things, how, how are things looking out there for you right now? Uh, things are, things are good in Wyoming. It's a good, it's a good place to be uh, this, <laughs> this year. That's for sure. It's been a crazy year, but <laughs> 
it's a it's a good place to be. We got some good people in in leadership positions out here. You know, it's the least populous state, so just having fewer people helps during times like this. Not having as many big cities, so you know everything most countries worried about, or they're running out of meat. We got plenty of meat here, so mm-hmm. we don't <laughs> we don't. Uh, <laughs> between cattle ranching and hunting. So it's a, it's a great place to be right now. So things are, things are going well. So I think if you had to take the, the phrase social distancing and put it to a state, I think you've got Wyoming kind of figured out right there. Yeah, so. <laughs> I, I, yes, exactly. We, in fact, we, we ranked, um, uh, we ranked last in the list for like social distancing that they did the, the study, um, of, of, you know, off people's phones to see how far they traveled. So we ranked last that we were doing the worst, but it's because we have to drive everywhere to just get anywhere. And so they, <laughs> they thought we were going far, but it's like cattle ranchers going to check on their cattle. And so we, we ranked bad, you know, so no, we've been, <laughs> we've been social distancing since I think it's 1890. So <laughs> that's awesome that's awesome you get, definitely can't beat that especially like, like you said this time of year whenever you know all this kind of stuff is going on and that's that's pretty incredible that you guys were <laughs> you guys were able to make that move to wyoming which of course we're going to get to here in just a minute but you know sure. being being a weatherby you know of course having that name associated to you you're gonna you're automatically I guess, thought of as being an outdoors family, you're automatically thought of being somebody who, who hunts and, you know, somebody who is outdoors and involved. So what does that kind of look like for you personally, you know, growing up in the Weatherby family and growing up to have, you know, a Roy and an Ed to kind of show you the ropes as far as being in the outdoors? What's that look like for you? Sure. Yeah, no, obviously, you know, hunting has been a big part of our family now for, for generations, really starting with my grandfather, um, you know, b- before that, he actually grew up in Kansas and, uh, kind of as a kid just was trapping and shooting crows and just doing things kind of, um, you know, as a kid in Kansas and really got his love for the outdoors there. And so, you know, that's dating back to, he was born 1910. So 110 years ago. And, um, it's actually pretty cool. My dad and I did a whitetail hunt a few years back, maybe four or five years ago. And, and we, actually went out to the same creek bed area where my grandpa would have grown up, you know, a century ago and hunted whitetail out there. It was pretty cool. So yeah, definitely, you know, outdoors in our family definitely dates back, uh, dates back a few years. So he was a Kansas farm boy. So of course yeah. the Weatherby business ended up eventually in Southern California. So how did that, yeah. I know you had met him and, you know, of course knew him, growing up when you were younger and that kind of thing. And I'm sure you've got got a good grasp on the history and everything, but you know, what kind of inspired him to first end up in Southern California to take this, this business, this idea and take it there instead of, you know, keeping it in Kansas. Sure. When he moved to California, he didn't have any idea that Weatherby Incorporated would ever be started. So he married my grandma and they moved out there and when they did, obviously, California was kind of a great place to just meet people and network. And, you know, it was a lot different than the California we now know 75. Well, really, we've been around. This is our 75th year, but so call it 80 years ago when he moved out there. It was a place that he thought he could go where he grew up with seven older sisters, uh, really uh, kind of sharecropping, hopping from farm to farm. So he moved out with my grandma, um, actually was selling insurance and doing all sorts of things of just trying to kind of hop out of really the poverty that he was, that he was raised in. So it, it really was kind of, um, 
you know, a, a way for him to just make, make a name for himself. And, and so when he got there, um, he still loved the outdoors. He got invited to go on a hunt. He actually, I believe it was in Utah that he, he hunted and wounded a deer and he'd been into hand loading and different things like that. But at that point, as he wounded the deer and, and tracked it, and I believe was unable to recover it, he, um, he had this philosophy that uh, we need to get bullets moving faster and that the greater the velocity, the greater the energy, therefore the greater the killing power. And so really his high velocity, um, whole, all those theories is what started him to um, really take uh, existing cartridge cases at the time, uh, like the 300H and H and so forth, these, these uh, uh, belted magnums that, that had been around and he started to change them and and uh, put more powder and, and get more volume in there in order to get bullets moving faster. So it really started as kind of a hobby for him in his garage. And then he started to get a following where he wrote in some letters to the editor of some different magazines. Sports Afield, we still have a copy of a letter that he wrote before he started the organization officially. And it was his velo theory on you know, high velocity and, and you know, producing more killing power and better trajectory and ballistics and so forth. And so from there, he started to build people custom guns in his cartridges, and you know, the rest is seventy-five years of history. So that's kind of the two-minute version of how he ended up from Kansas to California. Right. Yeah. So it sounds like he was more, you know, he kind of started out more with the ammunition side of things rather than the the rifles. Because I know whether it be you, you, whenever you hear the the name now, you know, seventy-five years later, you automatically you know, associate with that with rifles and you associate that with firearms, but it sounds like it kind of started with ammunition. Exactly. That that's what started. And then, you know, it's kind of like if you had an engine, but then there's a car to go with the engine, you know, okay. in essence, that's what he has is he created these kind of high velocity cartridges and then built custom guns chambered in them. And so, you know, am, ammunition is still a big part of who we are and it is a big differentiator yeah. for us even still today that, most of the fastest production cartridges out there in a given caliber are a Weatherby Magnum cartridge. So okay. it is still, you know, a little bit of what defines us here today. Um, even though, you know, most are, you know, uh, obviously, you know, guns are a little bit more expensive than ammo. So we're, you know, as far as just from a business perspective, you know, guns make us quote more money, but, right. uh, but ammo is a, a, hu a huge part of it for us. So. That's awesome. That's incredible. I, mm -hmm. I actually didn't know that until um, I was doing a little bit of research, you know, kind of preparing for this uh, uh, right around the time whenever I asked you to to be on the show. And it's really mm -hmm. interesting to see how the, the brand and how the business has evolved over the past several decades. And it's really, really cool to actually know how, you know, the such a prominent brand in the outdoor and in the hunting industry and really the firearm industry mm -hmm. has evolved and, and developed over the years. That's pretty incredible. What year was it that, that Weatherby kind of started? I know it was kind of early, early to mid, uh, 1900s, but what year was that, that that started? 1945. So we're, that's where okay. we're at 75 years okay, right yeah. now in 2020. Gotcha. Yep. That's awesome. Yep. That's all. So, you know, with your grandfather, a little bit more of the history on him, um, you know, that was a time, you know, in the forties, the mid forties where you were dealing with, you know, the, the ends of in the kind of the the aftermath of the war so like that whole entrepreneurial spirit that he had to to mm -hmm. you know go after his dreams and to go after something and you know literally move across the country i mean that's that's pretty incredible that he he had that that bravery to to do that in such a you know a rough historical time that's awesome 
Absolutely. Yeah. And it's interesting, you know, the amount of businesses that did start, you know, post-World War II there and right as the war was ending. And then the late 40s, there's a couple other organizations, you know, the Hornadies, the Noslers, mm-hmm. Hodgden Powder, you know, us, uh, you know, are, are a few that are still around in, in the family three generations later in most cases. That's awesome. So you're third generation in the in the business. So what what time did around what time did your father did that he actually take over the the brand? Sure. Well, he obviously kind of grew up, you know, working for my grandpa, um, you know, from a real early age. So they were there. And so, you know, my dad worked alongside my grandpa, obviously, for years and years. Um, You know, my dad officially took over, I think, as president or CEO in the early 80s, Um, you know, so almost 40 years into it. you know, so really it was kind of my grandpa for, you know, about four decades or so, my dad for a few decades. And then me here, this, you know, um, took over from my dad, I think officially about three years ago. Okay. Um, obviously been working with him before that. So, yeah, so my, my dad came in and obviously, you know, had, you know, spent a, a good deal of time working at the organization and growing up in it. He was my grandpa's only son. Um, my dad had two older sisters and um, yeah. So my dad ended up being the one kind of to hop in there and really kind of carry the torch and, and then pass it on to me here just a few years back. Yeah, that's great. Now I feel like the, the growth of, you know, of course the business over the past few decades have, it's been pretty incredible to, to kind of watch it and just kind of learn about the history of it. And, you know, with that, of course, comes some pretty incredible responsibility, you know, for you. So what kind of, how have you been uh-huh. able to kind of deal with that, that responsibility of inheriting a business that has, you know, such a, such a, I guess, a rich legacy involved in, you know, the brand and of course the the industry. So how has that been for you, you know, over the past few years with being able to actually, you know, handle that responsibility from taking it in from your, your grandfather and your father? Yeah, it's a, uh... And that's a good question. I think, you know, obviously what my grandfather and my father did was really create a prestigious, well, you know, well-known, world-renowned, you know, outdoor hunting brand. Yeah. And so, um, so that brand, you can't create overnight. It, it takes decades and decades of, you know, um, of quality of, you know, hopefully superior customer service and marketing and all those things to really build a brand. And so they, they really did the building Um, and kind of what I say is, um, we're still growing into our brand. Our brand is, uh, you know, I think obviously we're a little biased. It's our family name, but it's second to none. And and it's something we don't, we don't (laughs) take lightly as my dad always said, you know, our names on the side, every gun. And so we don't take it lightly. And so everything we do, whether it be, you know, product development, whether it be our service, um, doesn't matter what it is we try to do. Uh, we try to do with excellence. Um, we try to do to the absolute best of our ability. And so, um, you know, what's neat is there's a lot of technology and innovation and things available now. Um, you know, obviously, when people think of a Weatherby, it, traditionally speaking, and especially a lot of folks from the older generation, picture a walnut stock, a high polish blue, yeah. and really kind of picture that traditional Weatherby. Um, you know, it, frankly, that's far less than 10% of the of what we make now, just because, you know, things have been changing and folks, folks want more things that are uh, have some different durability aspects, you know, so our products look different, but it's really taking um, the quality craftsmanship, the brand prestige, ballistic superiority, taking the same things that made the brand what it is 
and then applying it really in today's generation of, of hunters and shooters. And we've really found ourselves here these past five years or so reaching out to a lot of the younger generation and in a lot of different ways. And that's been, you know, intentional uh, because most, uh, you know, my my grandpa would be 110 years old. So most his buddies aren't with us anymore. So we have to figure out how to get some new people into the Weatherby brand, you know, so. Right, right. Yeah. And of course, with uh, with changing times, of course, comes, you know, different changing, you know, as far as the the marketing goes and all that kind of thing. And it sounds like what you guys mm-hmm. got going on. That's So what are some ways that you guys have been able to reach some of the, the younger people? Is, is it just based on, you know, the the way the rifles look? Is it based on, you know, just the appearance of things or how how are some things as far as I guess on the marketing, the, the business side of things, how have, have you been able to reach, you know, some of the younger generations? Sure. It's had to be very intentional because it's, it's normal for a multi-generation kind of, uh, you know, brand as old as ours. If you're not intentional, it will get old and die with its founder or possibly the second generation. And so you have to have intentionality. So yeah, first and foremost, it has to be with the products themselves and in making sure that, you know, I mean, we have titanium, carbon fiber, I mean, materials that weren't used, frankly, my grandpa was around at all. And mm-hmm. so in a firearm setting, in fact, my dad in the early 80s, uh, we launched the fiber mark in our Mark V line, and it had a fiberglass stock. And at the time, it was the first kind of commercially available uh, non-wood, <laughs> you know, fiberglass stock that was out there. And at first, my grandpa resisted it. And we kind of always joke about it. He resisted it until he saw how well they sold. And then he actually thought it wasn't a bad idea anymore. <laughs> right. but, but it's hard. You know, you have to be ready for the different generations to adapt from from a product standpoint and realizing what your customers needs and desires are. And so we've really tried to be, um, you know, uh, you know, innovative in that sense. Um, I think, two, it has to do with the team that you have and and the team that we've been able to assemble here in Sheridan, Wyoming is, is really forward thinking in regards to our product, in regards to our innovation our investment in, in engineers and new product development are pretty extensive to make sure that we're not still living off of yesterday's successes. Now, yesterday's successes are our brand and quality and those different things, but the actual products, they they have to change. We're not still driving Model Ts around. I got a backup camera in my truck. I got AC. I got a heated seat. Right. It's pretty nice. My grandpa wasn't driving those things 100 years ago. And uh, you know, I wouldn't go buy a Model T to drive it across the country these days. And so I think we need to understand that with products. And then and then really it's in our in our marketing as well, being intentional about that. You know, my grandpa was both an innovator and a marketer. And so he could create, he had the ingenuity uh, that he could, you know, sit there and, you know, back when technology isn't where it is and do the hand loading and some of the innovation that he did. But he also was a genius in regards to marketing. He really wore both those hats really well. Being out in California, kind of, you know, today we have social media influencers. But, I mean, he rubbed shoulders with, you know, the presidents of the United States, with John Wayne, with Roy Rogers. And he hung out with those guys intentionally uh, to really help build up his brand. And in the same way today, we need to make sure that, that, uh, you know, that we communicate that our product is relevant. And one of the big ways that you can do that is by introducing you know, uh, you know, introducing people to our product that that do have a big influence and allowing them to really buy into to the quality that we have. And so we've we really have, I think, our product in the hands of a lot of people. That's that's real intentional, too. So um, I go on and on about that because it's been real strategic on our part. But um, but it's it's been a fun journey to, to see, you know, where the brand you know, has come from some old timers, they'll look and see that's not a Weatherby anymore. And it's like, 
well, yeah, we, we, you know, but at the same time, it's uh, like I said, you, you, you know, Ford isn't just making Model Ts and, and that's business and that's what you have to do um, in order to, to keep innovating. And as a consumer myself in products, I appreciate the creativity in a new product or um, the innovation that goes into it, the materials that are used. And so, you know, frankly, we just we want to be at the at the front of that pack. Yeah, the, the whole idea of, you know, holding tradition, but also seeking progress is just it's something that you see a lot of successful businesses do nowadays. And, you know, you kind of mentioning mm-hmm. automakers and that kind of thing with uh, a lot of the the uh, like newer models of cars, they'll have kind of a little little hint back to something traditional, but also have all the the, you know, commodities of everything that that people are looking for in a car today. Mm-hmm. And it's it's the idea of, you know, having something new, but also having that that little bit, that little hint towards towards the old stuff. And I just I think I, I can definitely appreciate that. And I can definitely as a consumer, as somebody who is looking, you know, at buying certain things, like that's kind of what I'm looking for as mm-hmm. well. And that's that's pretty awesome that you guys have done sure. that. And it also sounds like, you know, the whole idea of you know like who you know <laughs> and played a huge part in the success mm-hmm. of, you know, what the Weatherby brand looks like today. So yeah, that's awesome. No, you're right. I mean, even the, you know, our kind of flagship uh, rifle line is our Mark V line. And it's yeah. one my grandpa, you know, and his engineers designed in 1958. Well, we still make that today. It just doesn't look like it does, but it's still, I mean, you look at the safety lever, the bolt sleeve or the fluted bolt, the nine locking lugs, the key features that make it what it is is still there. Now, it might be in titanium. It might be wrapped in a carbon fiber stock or have a carbon fiber barrel. There could be flutes in the bolt or flutes in the barrel and muzzle brakes and different recoil pads, but it's still a Mark V and it's still kind of true to who we are. So it's kind of cool to be able to have, you know, that blend of, of the history and nostalgia of it, you know, blended in with the innovation. Yeah, that's great. And I think that whole that whole idea is just something that, that is just incredible as, as a, as a customer. And then of course, you know, of course you guys being on the business side of things, it's, it's of course beneficial for you whenever the customer likes it. So that's, that's great. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But I wanted to kind of switch gears on you and kind of talk a a little bit more about your, your father and your grandfather and, you know, just kind of the relationship you had with them, both as family members, of course, and of course, as uh, you know, people who are, you were following behind as far as their, their footsteps go. So what, what kind of, you know, how important was it for you being, you know, young and taking over the, the business? How important was it for you to have men that have come before you to, to show you kind of how to manage and to show you how to lead and, you know, just simply how to, how to be a man. And, uh, just kind of a second part of that question, uh, you know, how has that benefited not only yourself, but your wife, your kids, you know, the workplace, the business in general? Sure. No, it's, it's important. I think, you know, you need to have like in a business like this, you need to have the newness and freshness and the kind of energy and drive and passion, but it's also important to, um, to be able to gain wisdom from folks who've been doing it longer than you from the, you know, both, you know, my, my father, as well as other folks in the business that, that have gone before me, who've, you know, made mistakes that I'd, I'd rather kind of learn from than repeat them, frankly. So, right. um, you know, so to be able to, to do that is, I think, uh, you know, incredibly valuable, um, you know, while leading the business. And, and uh, you know, it's definitely a blend where whenever you that torch is passed and whenever it's a kind of a generational pass, it's sometimes a hard thing. And, and you know, one of the things my grandfather was, you know, being kind of the entrepreneur and the, you know, the guy who really started the business, it's it's often hard for that initial 
uh, handoff to go from generation one to generation two, because, yeah. you know, they, they, he was that poor farmer in Kansas, you know, that we talked about. And, and, and sometimes it's easier. My dad did a phenomenal job of, of both, I think, preparing me, but yet giving me, uh, uh, you know, mutual respect. And so there was a respect, I think, that we had for each other. And so um, I think he learned of things in his relationship with his father. Um, you know, you always do with your parents. You learn things you want to do the same and right. things you want to do different, you know, with your Absolutely. kids. And so um, I think, uh, you know, my dad adapted in his, my dad's strong faith, I think, played a, a big part in, in that transition, being able to go smoothly. Absolutely. Yeah. The whole idea of, you know, learning from, from our fathers, especially just because typically that's, that's who most guys have that, that intimate relationship with, or they may not have the intimate relationship when you, you kind of get those, those, uh, those things where you want, you know, the things that you want to repeat that your father may have done. And then of course you get those things that you're like, well, I don't, I don't want to do that. I'm going to do the complete opposite. And I've, I found that in my, you know, in my own relationship with my, my father and that kind of thing. And it's a, it's something mm-hmm. that I think a lot of people, they, they kind of hold in. And I think it does a lot of, a lot of, uh, damage, I think to them emotionally because of that. So, you know, what was, of course you went into ministry there for a while, you know, um, what was your kind of mm-hmm. your father's expect perspective on that? You know, I th- before you took over the, the Weatherby brand, you did, did some ministry. So what, What'd your father think as far as that goes? Uh, he was fully supportive, actually. And and I think one of the, again, one of the reasons why I think, A, he knew I was going into ministry and he knew uh, the importance of of that and, and, you know, the lasting impact that, you know, that type of work has. And I think, too, he also knew in the relationship that he had, you know, with his father, um, because, you know, my grandpa, again, I think, you know, his drive and passion, everything he had was, was for the family business that, um, I think there were also ways in which my dad wanted to have a little bit more freedom in, in, in what he gave us and, and really in the way he supported us. So yeah, my dad was fully supportive through all of it. There were times I think where, uh, you know, it was difficult or he wanted me back in the business, but, but overall was completely supportive of where God had called me, which, which is really cool. And we, I think still have a good relationship today because of it. That's awesome. Yeah, that's great. And were you guys in uh, California at the time whenever you had gone into ministry? Correct. What did that kind of look like for you? You know, the whole being a pastor and that kind of thing prior to taking over at at the business? Sure. Yeah, no. Uh, Brenda, my wife and I, we got married early on and, and were involved in the business, um, you know, really kind of at that college age. So I was involved at the time in a variety of departments kind of preparing, you know, my dad really kind of preparing me to, to someday maybe take the reins at the, at the business. So worked in a variety of departments um, for about four years and then went into to full-time ministry for nearly 14 years. Um, oh, wow. and then, yeah, then came back uh, full-time to the business after that. Um, so um, yeah, so now that was full-time and got a, a bachelor's degree in church leadership and a master's and religious studies. And so I always kind of joke, I'm CEO of a gun company and have multiple degrees in like religion and church work. And here I am uh, leading here. But, you know, what's cool is I think, you know, God prepares you for a lot of different things. Number one, I I wouldn't go back and trade that time for anything. Just so much precious time we had and God shaping me and us and my family, as well as being able to use us and our gifts, you know, really um, for a lot of, I think, you know, cool, amazing, just big picture things that I would have never seen otherwise. And then even I think everything prepares you, you know, a lot of times for the next chapter. And so 
as I came back to the business, it's like, um, you know, I knew that uh, I was going to be lacking in some key areas. Obviously, I knew the things that I had maybe as a natural leader, or I could, you know, help form teams, cast a vision, you know, be passionate to head in a direction, problem solve. But I needed to, you know, surround myself with professionals in different areas, whether that be engineering or accounting or, you know, manufacturing or you name it, obviously areas that I am not naturally, um, you know, don't have experience or talent in. And so it's been a, it's been a fun ride. It's been a fun challenge, but it's cool being able to use, you know, even some of those things now back at the business that, you know, God was really preparing me for all those years. Yeah, that's great. That's, that's incredible. That's, that's awesome that you were, um, you were in ministry for that long. And, you know, that's, that's not, you know, a traditional, traditional route out of ministry, you know, typically you may see a pastor go on to, I don't know, maybe a different church or they may start a organization or like a foundation or something, but to go from being a pastor to, you know, running a, a firearms business, that's, <laughs> that's pretty, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's definitely a unique story. Haven't haven't found one just like it yet. <laughs> <laughs> so, what kind of uh, you know, being a pastor, a former pastor, and being somebody, of course, who's a who's a busy CEO now, you know, how have you been able to find some time to involve family, of course, in in the business, and of course, being able to make sure that you have time to to spend with your family? How how does that kind of kind of look for you with with all this stuff going on that's just been kind of handed to you? Sure. No, it's certainly, it's certainly challenging, um, you know, to say the least, because then, you know, we still want to be involved in ministry, but when it's, yeah. when it's not, when it's not your job, um, that it becomes, you know, more time often away from your family and those certain things. So, um, I'm fortunate enough, my wife works at the business with me. And so we kind of, we kind of run it together. She oversees several different aspects of the business, uh, HR, you know, the people and culture and, facilities and compliance and some things like that so we uh, we actually share an office uh, with our dog so three of us and so we uh, <laughs> we, we spend we spend quite a bit of time together that's for sure uh, you know sometimes too much about work and got to be disciplined about to sometimes when we're away from work to uh, not let it consume our lives that's for sure but um, you know but then with the kids um, we have our kids are uh, just had a son graduate high school and then have a daughter that's going into her senior year of high school. And so, um, you know, they're kind of, it's kind of weird. We're almost at that empty nest stage, which is kind of weird to think about because we feel young, but, uh, but it's, right. you know, it's been also something that they both back when I was in ministry, they were involved in a lot of things, whether that's going on missions trips or, you know, general church things or youth events or whatever those things were that were a big part of their life. And then, think in the same way, you know, their identity as a Weatherby and being kind of that fourth generation name, you know, since my grandfather is, uh, is also something, you know, they get to take part in. I just did a, a bear hunt with my son in May. Um, he's senior in high school and, um, we kind of just took him out towards the end of his senior year and got to do kind of a, a guy trip back in there and he shot a bear, which was super fun. So, you know, he also gets some pretty cool opportunities that maybe, uh, you know, some other guys his age wouldn't normally get. So it's kind of, kind of a cool thing. Yeah, that's great. That's, that's awesome that he was able to, able to go out and you guys were able to do that. That's, that's incredible. I think I remember you telling that story. I think it was a message that you just did over Father's Day weekend. I watched that video. That was pretty, oh, that's cool. pretty awesome. Yeah. I think you had posted on Instagram or something. I was like, I'm going to go, go listen to this. Cause of course, you know, whenever oh, father's cool. day comes up, I have two kids of my own. I have a six year old little boy and I have a four year old little girl. Mm. So, mm. 
you know, whenever you posted it on there, I was like, I, I got to check this out. And of course, with, with me talking to him here soon. So that's, that's great that you guys were able to go out and spend that time, that time together. That's cool. That's cool. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. We had a good time, went down to Casper, Wyoming and we're a part of a neat church down there. It was fun. So. Is that something that you do quite frequently still, you know, of course, being, you know, running the business now, is it something that you go out and you, you go out and speak at churches just because you have the, the background and you have the, uh, the skill set? Cause it, it is a certain skill set, you know, to, to get up on stage and to deliver a 30 minute message on, uh-huh. you know, biblical teaching. So it, is that something that you have really, you know, embraced over the, the past few years? Yeah, no, hundred percent. Yeah. So I, that was part of when I went back into the family business full time. I knew that um, that God wasn't done with me. I knew I still had you know certain gifts and experiences and different things that needed to be kind of used for His glory and His kingdom. So I know that teaching is one of those things. So yeah, so I do get those opportunities. Um, you know, and when I do, I if at all possible try to take advantage of those opportunities. It's not, you know, I can't always do it. Schedule doesn't always allow for it or travel or those, you know, types of things, but uh, it is something I enjoy doing too. And I know, um, I know that I've been called to do. And so, um, you know, it's not, I don't want to go bury it in the ground. It's, it's something that I know needs to be, uh, needs to be used. So yeah. So it was fun actually the last two father's days. I think I was speaking at another church up in Billings. Uh, I've really come to enjoy just cool church up there. So it was in Billings, Montana, I think last Father's Day. So it's kind of funny last, last couple of years, um, been at a church teaching on Father's Day. <laughs> this may end up being a, a annual tradition thing for you. <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> so we've kind of talked about, you know, a little bit of the, the Wyoming and California deal. So, you know, kind of going back to a little bit of the history on, on the business itself, what was it that really motivated you? to to take the the business from California and move it to a place like Wyoming. I know that that kind of took place whenever you were when you were at the helm of the business. So what was the motivation behind that a little bit? Sure. I mean, the motivation was the future. Um, You know, California represents a great past for our business. It doesn't represent a great future for our business. in a variety of ways, whether it be, uh, you know, cost of living, cost of doing business, uh, taxes, uh, firearm regulations, you know, uh, you know, in regards to second amendment type of stuff. Um, so there's, there's just, uh, as a manufacturer, it's a difficult place to do business. Um, and, uh, certainly in our line of work and in our industry. And so, you know, we knew that our, um, we had a great pass there and a lot of incredible employees over a lot of, you know, great decades and, and yet uh, we knew that, you know, for the future of Weatherby and, and me coming in and, um, you know, seeing a lot of hopefully runway left, um, it was it was obvious that, that that wasn't going to be the best place to do business. So if we were going to take the brand to where we think it has the capacity to go to that we needed to be in the best environment to do that. And California just just wasn't. So we really began a search and knew, you know, we're our roots are out west. So we knew it would be in the west uh western part of the u.s somewhere and looked at a lot of different states and ended up falling in love with wyoming and and uh you know their leadership uh then the former governor matt mead um became you know good friends with him and personally really reached out to us and a lot of his staff on the state level and really just kind of opened their arms wide for us here in so many different ways and and uh, just extended a, a a warm wyoming cowboy welcome here and so we just we feel this is this is, this is our new home and, and it's been awesome in so many different ways. 
Yeah, that's great. That's great. That's I've always heard good things about Wyoming. I've, I've never been out there. I'm I'm from Kentucky, so that's a little uh, further of a drive. I've actually got to plan that to go out there sometime. But you know, I've heard wow. great things about Wyoming and that kind of thing. And I've also heard a lot of people that have a lot of businesses that have uh, kind of packed up and moved out of California for a lot of the same kind of reasons that you you were kind of discussing there. And I think it's you know not of course to get into like a political discussion or anything, but I think that's going to be something that probably continues on for for a little bit longer, but you know, you were kind of mm-hmm. mentioning the future of the business, but what's that kind of look like for you? You know, what are the plans of Weatherby? You know, of course, some of that stuff may be stuff that you don't want to share yet, but as far as, you know, of course, involving your family and that kind of thing and, you know, the brand itself, what's the future of weather, Weatherby look like? Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, the last really couple of years was really, you know, getting to Wyoming 2018, 2019 was about kind of announcing our move and building a new facility and really rehiring the majority of our team, moving some of our team, but, um, you know, less than 25% of our team, uh, you know, relocated. So it's been a lot of just really uh, a rebuilding time. And, and then now I think it's a really a period of growth um, in regards to both our manufacturing as well as our uh, you know, new product development. So there's there's a lot of things I think that are going to be over these next five years. A lot of exciting things in the plans. Like you say, things I can't I can't release, but it's it's, right. it's exciting. <laughs> Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. So mm-hmm. as we were kind of you know the conversation kind of wrapping up here, there's always one question that I like to ask my guests that are on the show, and it's you know with your background and with with your name, of course. And I'm, I'm really interested to hear what you have, uh, your response to this question. So my question for you, our kind of closing question here is what does hunting mean to you? Hmm. Yeah. I mean, uh, what does it mean? Hmm. I mean, it's, it's wrapped up in a little bit of everything for me. Uh, I mean, it's something I do, uh, with people that I enjoy spending time with and love, like my, you know, my my family or my good friends. It's, I mean, it's, it's our livelihood in the sense that it fills our freezer. Um, it's something I'm passionate about doing. Um, it's a place where I connect with God in the midst of his creation. It's something that takes me and allows for me to, to travel to some incredible places that I'd never see to see some beautiful things in the outdoors. And, and it's also, you know, part of our business in the sense that, you know, we, we always say that our, kind of our why we exist statement is that we exist to inspire the dreams of hunters and shooters so if you were to purchase one of our products we we know that in the end it's maybe some steel or aluminum or carbon fiber or fiberglass or whatever it's made out of but ultimately that tool is a tool really built to get you in the outdoors and to have those same memories to experience things with other people to experience things by yourself to connect with with god you know to um to really kind of get back to our roots and those senses. And so we know that we are, are just sure it's a tool. It's, it's a firearm, it's a weapon in that process, but we know that, you know, that happens and that often it's even passed down, you know, for generations and that, uh, you know, that our name gets to kind of be out there stamped on the side of that product, um, you know, in, the, in the outdoors. And so it's, it's more, it, it's, it's awesome. You know, I, I am blessed that, you know, my grandpa started, um, you know, the company that he did and, you know, it's focus on the outdoors and hunting is obviously something that's exciting to be a part of. I often say, I mean, I don't know, he could have started a toilet paper company or a, I don't know, you name it, you know, um, <laughs> some other company that just wasn't as, uh, you know, something you're necessarily passionate about. It may be a good income generator for the family, but, but not something that you're as passionate about. And so, um, 
so obviously it's a, it's a huge huge way of life for us and really for a lot of our you know folks and associates and team members here in Sheridan, Wyoming as well. Yeah, I don't know too many people that are uh, passionate about toilet paper. At least I hopefully they're not. But <laughs> <laughs> right. I don't know at the beginning of the year that may have been a may have been something good to invest in, but you never know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but no, that's that's awesome and I appreciate you sharing that response with me. That's that's pretty incredible. I know uh, the Weatherby brand itself has been inspirational to me and of course getting to know you and you know listening to all of your messages and you know you you have been an inspiration for me as well, because just the, because of your obedience to God. And it's, I'm thankful that we had a little bit of time here to, to kind of discuss your story a little bit. And, you know, of course, discuss the, the history of, of Weatherby mm-hmm. firearms. And thank you so much, man, for being on the, on the Rise Kelly podcast with me. Hey, thanks for having me, Tyler. Really appreciate it. Before I get, let you go, I want to give uh, listeners a, a chance to kind of connect with you. So where can they connect with you? Uh, where can they check out Weatherby Rifles? Where are all the places, uh, you know, social media <laughs> and that kind of thing that, that they can check you out? You bet. Yeah. If you go to weatherby.com, that's our, our website. If you want to follow on social, it's usually Weatherby Inc. I-N-C. Uh, me personally is, uh, you know, on Facebook or Instagram would be Adam Weatherby, uh, just all one word. And uh, yeah, those would be probably some of the best places to to go connect and find out a little bit more, whether it be me personally or our family business. All right. Awesome. I appreciate it. And I'll make sure that I have that kind of stuff in the details of the show. So I appreciate you being on the show with me. You bet, Tyler. Thanks so much for having me, man.